Thanks for listening to the Church at Severn Run Messages podcast. You can find more information about the church at severnrun.com. Enjoy the message. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, good morning. Hey, I want to just remind you that um, in 2019, God has given us a vision of, of where we're going. And um, if, you, if you weren't here uh, two weeks ago, I would challenge you to go and, and look back on the messages and listen to our Vision Casting Sunday because this kind of summarizes where we're going in 2019. Everything uh, is just relationship. We want to increase our, our level of, of authentic relationship because it's the only thing that matters in the end. Um, you know, I mean... Your connection with God and with other people is the wealth of life. Everything else is, is spiritual poverty. We want to emphasize our connection. And, and again, moving into um, you know, small groups, moving into connected life. And you're going to be hearing more about that in, in two weeks. Holistic missions. Um, Jesus did not come to start denominations. He didn't even come to start a church in a sense. Jesus came to bring the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God came in the first century when God put skin on and offered a healing touch and a saving truth to people around him. And guess what? Surprise, surprise. What he did in the first century is what we must do in the 21st. But instead, in the 21st century, we have learned to be a go-around people to where, you know, we come as consumers, we sit once a week, and when we think the problems of the world are too big for our God which is crazy. <laughs> we move towards them with what we have and, and trust that God will do incredible things. And then, uh, even as Jesus said, inasmuch as you've done unto the least of these, my brothers, you've done it unto me, um, we look for the least. We live looking for the least. And I believe that the, the most important, the least, that are at least obvious around us are our kids and our students. So I want your kids and I want your students to have um, an amazing uh, disciples experience uh, by the time they hit 18 and, and, and launch their lives. I want every other kid out there who doesn't have a parent, who knows father and is, is nurturing them towards him, I want those precious kids to know him as well. So that's our, our vision for 2019. That's where we're moving. Uh, it's not a program. It's a movement of the spirit. And again, I want you just to, to let the Spirit of God lead you to some new places in 2019, okay? Hey, if you stay where you were in 2018, you, you're, you're kind of wasting the, the, the future. And, um, and God is moving us forward. So I'm going to pray, and we're going to jump into the new wine of the kingdom uh, as, we, uh, as we worship on this Super Bowl Sunday. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you are a God who is the God of making new. And at the end of time, when you've seen thousands upon thousands of generations of, of human beings try to build their own lives and their own strength, you are not cynical. You are not tired. And there at the end of the age, Father, you will make all things new again. Father, help us to seize the day and the time you've given us to let you make us new and let you make the world around us new. You have not given up on the broken. There is no one here that you are done with. There is no one in the world around us that you do not care about. 
And Father, your strength and your love is enough to redeem every broken thing. So we will not give up. We will not shrink back. We will not act like you are weak, unable, uninvolved. You are the king of the universe. And Father, we offer you our lives to do your will. So may your will be done and your kingdom come in the church at Seven Run. I pray this in Jesus' name as all God's people say, amen. So today we're going to talk about new wine in the kingdom of God. And really what we're talking about is refusing to confuse the life of heaven with the broken of earth. And it may sound simple, but I'm just telling you, like the layers of the onion, we do this all the time. And, and this passage is one of my favorite in, in all of the scriptures. So let's just jump in and, uh, and, and, and start thinking about the kingdom. Um, again, I, I want you to learn to think kingdom, to let the kingdom of God be more dominant in your life than all the broken of earth. It's hard to do, um, but it's the only way forward. If you let the broken of earth be your, you know, what's got your attention, uh, you're, you're beaten from the beginning. But if in your broken, you go back and believe Jesus and hear him, then you will see his kingdom coming then, but it's not going to stay then. You're going to see new horizons in your life. You're going to see the kingdom of God begin to dawn in your life. And, and, and you're still going to probably have challenges and problems. No, you will have. But you're going to see the kingdom. And you're going to then begin to right-size your problems and, and their temporal nature with the eternal uh, hugeness of God. And everything just looks different when you look at it through the kingdom. Well, let me, let me actually explain what the kingdom is. The kingdom is, is the transforming reign of God that exists all the time and everywhere in heaven and some of the time and rarely on earth. The kingdom of God is not a denomination. It is not a religion. It is not a church. The kingdom comes in any arena of life where God's will is done in faithful surrender where his glory is perceived in a way that results in praise, not just shallow performance praise uh, for other people, but, but your whole life begins to be lifted into gratitude and the acknowledgement of, of the reality of the one true God and where his rightness reigns in love. And wherever those things happen, that's the kingdom of God. You know, we... We always want to kind of make the kingdom of God concrete, and we can't. We want to build it and call it a church and say, this is the kingdom of God, but it isn't. In the Old Testament, um, you know, uh, we built these walls around the temple and in Jerusalem. And I, I've, I've, I've been to Jerusalem only once, but I, I've seen some of these stones. Some of these stones, honestly, are about the size of the whole uh, tech booth back there. And... And that's the solidity, that's the impressive thing, we would say. And then while those stones are being laid, the Spirit of God is inspiring uh, uh, David and, and the psalmist and others to write these songs of God. And if you were betting which would last longer, these songs that are sung and then, and then fade uh, after the voice ends, or this stone that is taken from the, the depths of the earth and built and, and, you know, and added to these impressive 40-foot tall wall, which of those two is the more concrete? Which is going to last longer? Well, the stones are pretty much gone, 
<laughs> the songs linger. The kingdom of God, you might describe, I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but have you ever smelled bed breaking, uh, bread baking? Okay. Uh, the cruelest is like, this, you know, the, the cinnamon, you know what I'm saying? I'm pretty sure, I can't prove it, I'm pretty sure that like out of the ovens, they have this pipe that's going into wherever and that they, they like, you know, are, are just fanning this out into the air so that you're walking by and it's like... It's kind of like what the kingdom of God is like. You can't control it. You can't manipulate it. You can't predict it. But you know it when you see it. And you know it when the rightness of love is lived. You know it when, when your problems melt into praise of the one true God and you are overcome with the glory and the hope of, of the salvation and the redemption of Jesus Christ. You know it when, when you surrender what you want and what you think is right and, and when you begin to dissolve and melt away and your broken will is replaced by the perfect will of God. That's when the kingdom comes. In Mark chapter 2, verses 18 through 22, the scripture begins with a human story and, and ends with Jesus um, revealing a uh, God story. Now, John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. And I don't know if you fast. Uh, uh, you know, uh, again, I, I, I fast. I don't fast enough. Um, and, and when I fast, I often just get a headache. Um, and, and I struggle with God. It's like, God, why am I doing this? And, and in that surrender and in that denial, um, there's always this revelation of God in some form or fashion. I fasted one time for, for 21 days, not, not, not just water. I mean, just, just no solid foods, no nothing. And, and it was just amazing how, how much you recognize, um, you know, the weakness of your own body, you know, and, and you know, just how good a Chick-fil-A strawberry milkshake looks. <laughs> and so... It is an act of worship. It is an act of denial, but sometimes the kingdom's in it and sometimes it's not. So John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting and some people came and asked Jesus, how is it that John's disciples um, and, and, and the Pharisees are, are fasting, but yours are not? Let me just start with saying, as we live our God story amidst all the broken human stories, our own broken story, and all of its brokenness from the past, and all of its brokenness in the present, and all of our fear for the future, we're, we're confronted with a God story amidst our own broken story. And, and let me just say that the king of the kingdom will never lead you to focus on what other people are doing or what other people have done to you, ever. And so, if you are focused on what other people have done to you <laughs> or are, are doing to you, then you are not in the kingdom frame of mind. Because when, when you look at the king of the kingdom, he kind of, you know, has all of your gaze. He kind of captures everything uh, about you. 
There have been moments in my life, uh, I, I love to, to get out west. I love to get on the mountaintops. I love um, to, to sometimes just be uh, on, on my motorcycle, riding out on some road where there's not gas for another 120 miles and, and to watch the sunrise or to watch the sunsets. And uh, there's these moments, um, one, one moment standing on top of a mountain in Colorado in winter and, and, and the wind picks up the, 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 the snow and, and it's, it's just this diamond snow. It's, it, it lofts it up into the air and, and as you're standing there, it's like literally there's glitter and, and, and this diamond reflection for as far as your eyes can see among the, the, the mountains and, and the trees and it's just glorious. And in those moments, I promise you, you're not thinking about, I don't know, the tread depth on your tires on your car. You're not thinking about laundry back home. You're not thinking about any lesser thing because your heart and mind have been captured by the glory. That's the way God wants you to live in his kingdom. Where he actually gets to be the king uh, of your reality and, and you are so caught up in his glory and his goodness and his bigness and his, his redemptive power to make all broken things new that you, you're just so focused on that that none of the other stuff really gets your focus. But these guys were doing God things with a human focus. Hey, I noticed that, uh, that uh, you know, you are, are not doing, you know, the God things that, that they're doing. And, and so why, if you love God, are you doing, you know, it, it, that's, that's the crazy thing about religion. It sounds so God-focused, but it's, it's absolutely the opposite. You see, religion measures life in conformity. What are you doing compared to, to this person? Who's in, who's out? Heaven overflows uniquely from life to life according to the will of God. Why in the world are you worried about what anybody else is doing or has done to you? Trust God and never judge. Mark 4, 24, uh, which we'll, we'll get to, says this. Consider carefully what you hear, Jesus continued. With what measure you use, it will be measured to you, and even more. <laughs> and whoever has will be given more, and whoever does not have, even what they, they have will be taken away from them. And so, even as you and I deal with the jagged edges of other broken people who bump into us and hurt us, be very careful um, how much attention and energy you give those wounds rather than, than letting God and his kingdom be the issue in your life. Because Jesus said, however you judge them is the very measure that I'm going to judge you with. All right, I'm pretty smart and selfish. So if you tell me, Drew, Whatever amount of money uh, you give to this person over here, I'm going to multiply it 10 times. Really? Yeah. No, I really will. Whatever you give in generosity to this person, I'm going I'm to give 10 times. You tell you what, I'm going to do 100 times. Really? Okay. I ain't giving them a dollar. I'm going to the bank. I'm going to get every dollar I have. I might, I might, you know, I might take out a loan and, okay, here's $100,000, you know, bam, you know, I'm ready. And it's the same with judgment. 
There's some of us who are so quick to, to proclaim that we're followers of Jesus Christ and yet we don't follow him in grace when we look at other people. We find fault about the silliest dumb things. It's in our nature. It's just in our nature. I mean, we will criticize people about anything, anytime, anywhere. It doesn't, well, they really think they're all that, don't they? There was a group of ladies in, in, in my mom's uh, you know, apartment complex. It was a senior retired apartment complex, and, and it was a Christian one. It even had Christian in the name. And there's a group of judgmental ladies that sat uh, at the gate, at the front. You could not walk by those ladies without getting some comment about something. And it was funny because every time I'd come through, I'm going, I wonder what's going to be this time. One time I was, I was rushing in to, to get something and pick up something from my brother and one lady said, well, he's sure in a hurry, isn't he? It's like, oh my gosh, I'm breathing too, you know? Uh, so, so that's our nature. And what that's evidence of is the fact that, that the king has not captured our attention. That, we're, that we are misguided and focused on lesser things, that the kingdom of God is not our realm, it is not Christ's reign, and, and, and love is not leading. So don't judge. And if you are tempted to judge, use the most generous measure you can possibly imagine. Because here's, honestly, here's how I do this most of the time. Seriously, somebody does something against me. I, I, <laughs> oh, Yeah. Lord bless them. God, be really, really kind to them. God, just pour yourself out all of them in amazing ways. I'm ready. That's what Mark 4.24 says. Be so focused on seeking the king of the kingdom that the actions of people never distract you from the glory of God. The glory of God glory of God. Matthew 6.33 says, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, his rightness. And all these other things will be taken care of. They'll be, they'll be given to you. It's the kingdom. So Jesus takes these religious people who've, who think that they're being God-focused and don't even recognize that they're, they've been, they've been drawn down into the brokenness of unredeemed human, humanity and, and human thinking. He says in verse 19, how can the guests of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? They can't, so long as they have him with them. But the time is coming and, and will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them and on that day they will fast. Jesus is talking about himself. He's, he's talking about um, the fact that that. The extraordinary life of the Son of God is here on earth. It is surprising. It is amazing. It is, it is astonishing. And, and Jesus is saying there are things going on here that, that you and I don't even know. And the reality is that you and I don't see from heaven's side. We understand nothing in our sin and our brokenness. In fact, we don't even begin to see anything until, until our broken hearts melt and until uh, you know, we start living from love. And, and when we start living from, from God's love through the power of the Holy Spirit, then we begin to see things from the other side. In other words, you guys are over here and you're hurting because you're fasting. And, and, but instead of this being a pure offering from God, something's happened in your heart. It's not about God anymore. And, 
and, and you're over here doing this thing theoretically for God, but your eyes aren't on God. And that defines so much of religion. We're doing a bunch of stuff for God, but our eyes aren't on him. Our, our, our blood isn't filled with, with the, the, the power and the spirit of Jesus Christ pumping through our lives. So they're over here fasting, and, and instead of their, their minds just being caught up in the glory of God, they're, they're looking around at other people and saying, what about them? What's, why aren't they doing this? One of the reasons you shouldn't judge is because you don't have a clue what's going on in anybody else's life. Can I tell you how you can have a clue about what's going on in somebody else's life? Just relationship. Talk to them. Ask them. Sit down with them. But absent that with a good heart, you don't have a clue what's going on in somebody else's life. Romans 14.4, not, not 24 as it says in the notes, but Romans 14.4 says this, Who are you to judge another man's servant? <laughs> what, what are you thinking? Because he's going to stand or fall to his master, not to you, and he will stand because God is able to make him stand. So, so you and I look around and we are so quick to judge other people, you don't have a clue what the king of the kingdom is doing in their lives. So these guys are over here, apart from Jesus, doing things for God, but they don't get the fact that, that God is doing something different in, in the disciples' lives. They are with the king and they perceive it. So they don't need to be doing what you're doing because they're in a different place. There's a different context. God is doing something different in their lives. And that's God's will. So your will and your understanding don't matter. Do you understand? When you're kingdom focused, it completely reorients how you interact um, with social systems and with other people and, and with the broken around you. And, and this not judging doesn't mean that you don't have moral standards. It doesn't mean that you let go of right and wrong. It means that you don't pass sentence on other people for things you don't understand. And so Jesus gives them kind of a parable. He gives them an illustration that honestly is more understandable in his day than ours. I want to try to unpack it. And, and I say more understandable in his day because most people, for instance, for dinner, you know, uh, they, they, they would have understood this analogy because the wine and the wineskins would have been present and hanging everywhere around because this, this was sweet tea. This was what people drank. Some of y'all laugh at <laughs> my, uh, my, my home church religiously actually taught that, that the wine that Jesus made and drank was non-alcoholic. <laughs> really? Look, let me just be clear. The scripture says don't be drunk. If you're drinking for effect, you're already off the rails. You know, there's already something in your heart that's, that's off. <laughs> um, it says instead be filled with the Spirit, but, but let's not twist Scripture into saying something it doesn't say. <laughs> so Jesus says this to these guys, using an analogy. In Mark chapter 2, verse 21, no one sews a, a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. Otherwise, the new piece will pull away from the old, making the tear worse. Now, we're, most of us are pretty wealthy, and when, when something has a big hole in it, we throw it away. 
or we give it to poor people when we should throw it away and buy them something new. <laughs> but in those days, good grief, everything made by hand, you, you tore something at work, you didn't throw it away, you repaired it. And, and Jesus went on to say that in both of these are analogies of the kingdom of heaven. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins, otherwise the wine will burst the skins, and both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins. And what I want to say to you today above everything else is that you and I must never fit Jesus into uh, your life. You, You let Jesus fit you into his. That's the way it works. And religion is always going to do the former, and the kingdom of God will always be about the latter. And in religion, you're always going to try to be fitting God into your broken thinking, your broken heart, your broken relationships, your broken everything, and and you're going to get frustrated with God because you're you're not strong enough to, to make God take another shape. He's God. You're not. Because God will not be changed by us. He will be true to himself. And and you will never have a right or a good or an enjoyable free relationship with God until you and I surrender and, and just simply say, Father, may your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, in my life as it is among all those who praise you around you. God, your life Your life, I receive, I accept, my life, I give, I let go, I die. And until the exchange is that complete, you're into religion and you're into where the the Pharisees and the Sadducees were at the beginning of the story. Who has the bigger story? You or the king of the kingdom? Who's got the better story? Pastor John uh, talks about in his recovery, you know, one of the discoveries is that we all write stories. In your fear and and in the unknown, um, you write stories. Someone comes in and they walk right by you and they don't look at you. You write a story. Oh, well, that's the way they're going to treat me? Well, that must be because of what happened yesterday at the party. And, and okay, the last time I I didn't know I was pulling into their space. And, and, and okay, well, if they're going to treat me like this, here's what I'm going to do. Hey, maybe they have a stomach ache. You know, uh, maybe, maybe um, they, they just had a, a fight with their child that morning and they're broken hearted. Maybe it ain't about you. We write stories. We write crazy stories. We write self-centered stories. But whatever kind of story we write, it's always going to be a broken story. Who writes the better story? <laughs> Hebrews 12, 2 says, we look to Jesus the king of the kingdom, the author and perfecter of our states, our, our, uh, the, our, of our, our faith. Who, what does an author do? They write stories. And, and so, so you and I have to decide who has the better story, who gets to write your story. And if it's you, then, then you're, you're not a follower of Christ. You're not a believer. You might be religious, but, but you are not born again. You're not a part of the kingdom of God in, in that Who has the bigger story? I don't understand a lot of big things. And, and when I try, and I'm not saying that you don't think and you don't, you know, but what I'm saying is that 
that there is a story going on around us that is from eternity past to eternity future, and I don't understand how all the parts come into play. And when I try to make things fit and, and, and wrap them into my own understanding, in, in the opposite of what Proverbs 3 says, do not lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge God and he will direct your path. When I try to fit my own understanding around things, I, I can't. And, and when I do, I write stories that are fear-based and they're just broken stories. You can't fit new wine into old wineskins. When you, when you take wine and, and you pour it into um, you know, the wineskin, what, what Jesus is alluding to in the kingdom is that there is a process of change and transformation that's going on. It's fermentation. It is something is changing from one thing into another. There's an active process occurring. And so the skin gets stretched. It changes. It's not what it was. It's something different. And all of the new of God will not fit into our old social systems. It won't fit into our, our, our thinking about race. It won't think, it fit into our thinking about class. It, the kingdom of God won't fit into any human broken thinking. It changes everything. And when we dial back the completely transformative, radical nature of the gospel of Jesus Christ, we get some, some stinking thing called religion that is dead. It doesn't have the breath of God on it. There's nothing new in it. The thoughts of a perfect king from an infinite kingdom will never fit into fallen minds and sinful systems. I hear people saying crazy things, using God in crazy ways. Uh, you know, in, in, in the academic side, I love, I love academics, although I'm not an, you know, I'm not an academic. I love the, just the truth-seeking and, and the determination to, to work towards truth. What, what is really real here? And, and in, in, in some of the, the research, um, you know, with the abolitionist movement and other things, just even on after that, in, into the 20s, just seeing Christians use Scripture to justify racism. It's crazy. But it's an extreme example of trying to pour new wine into old wineskins. Now, you and I can look at that, and we can see a KKK pamphlet that, that references some scripture, and we can say, that is crazy wrong. Good, good for you. I'm glad you can see that. Can you look into your own life and see the equally offensive uh, efforts of your life to try to fit God into your life? instead of letting Jesus fit you into his. It's the same thing. <laughs> it's not kingdom. See, we radically underestimate the depths of sin destruction, and we radically underestimate the vision of God's redemption. And for us, there's not that much need for change, for most of us. Really, seriously, at some level, most of us have this idea, well, I'm not that bad. There's not that much wrong with me. And so, Jesus, you're free to tweak my life, um, you know, you're free to, to add, you know, it's like walking through the mall, you know, ladies, when you walk by the, the perfume counter, you know, like Christmas and they've got the ladies fritz, you know, well, I'm pretty much okay. And I'm, I'm yeah, I'm, I'm a fine, but if you want to add a little bit to me, spritz and I, okay, I'm good. No, you don't understand. <laughs> a better analogy would be you and I, you know, uh, in the ER, uh, bleeding out, heart stopped, not breathing, 
uh, with, with somebody on top of us pushing here and then somebody else attaching the electrodes and saying, clear, that's where we are. We need the kingdom of God to come into our lives through faith in Christ and make us alive. This isn't about addition. It's a replacement uh, system that we, we have going on here. The systems are incompatible. They, they won't work with each other. One will replace the other. You have an old operating system in the world, and it's a certain way of thinking and being and, and, and acting towards others. And then God says, none of that can, can be a part of my kingdom. None of it. It's all got to go. In fact, it, it, it's all got to end so completely that it, that it, that it dies. And I'm going to give you a new operating system. And this new operating system will be not you as a sinner, but, but, but King Jesus. And, and this new operating system isn't going to be driven by your old, fearful, broken spirit. It's going to be driven by the, the Spirit of God. And how do you know where the Spirit of God is? There's love. There is joy. Oh, there's peace. There's patience. <laughs> I hear people all the time excuse themselves for, from patience. Well, I'm not a patient person. Well, of course you're not <laughs> in you. But in the kingdom, when you're trying to fit Jesus into your life, you know, stuff him down into the appropriate place, you're never going to have patience. But when you stop that, just stop it, and, and you give your life to Jesus, and you let Jesus fit you into his life, you find that you are radically patient. And, and, and all of these, these fruits of the Spirit, they, they are the breath of the kingdom of God. I tell you the truth, Jesus said. I'm not lying to you. Um, everything I, I'm telling you is, is exactly right, that no one pours new wine into old wineskins. The old wineskin is your, your life on earth. The old wineskin may be your marriage. The old wineskin may be your woundedness and your brokenness from the past. The old wineskin may be your insecurity, your fear. The old wineskin, it's everything this world has given you. God wants to pour new wine into your life. <laughs> he, he wants to make you and I completely new. So that our thinking is new, our loving is new, our living is new, it's, it's, it's all new. In fact, Jesus put it this way. Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old, Nicodemus said in John 3. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Do you, do you see the conflicts of the systems and the thinking that's going on. <laughs> one is from the kingdom, one is based in the understanding of, of life in the world. Your natural response to the surprising, extraordinary life of Jesus Christ is going to be to under-respond to it and to try to, to make Jesus fit into your life, into your sexuality, into your handling of finance. You're going to try to make Jesus fit in all these areas. He ain't going to fit. He's too big. And, and the only way this is going to work is if you give your life to Jesus completely, no strings attached, all the broken, all the ugly, all the heartache, all the wounded, everything, 
nothing hidden, all the ugly. You just bring it to Jesus and you trust him. You trust love. And then you let Jesus make your life new according to his purpose, his way, his time, his plan. Jesus answered, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and of spirit. Some people say, well, that's baptism. And and I don't think, I think it's reference to physical birth and and, and, and saying, look, you got to be born physically. You got to (laughs) exist. And then if you enter the kingdom, enter the kingdom after you're born physically, then there has to be something supernatural that happens in your life where you've let go and you've let Jesus. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should never be surprised at my saying you must be born again. The wind blows where it pleases. Again, this is not something you can control. This is not something you can fit into your life, your time schedule, your system. You and I are not in charge of anything. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. And so it is with everyone born of the Spirit. And what that last is, I believe it's a reference to letting Jesus fit his life, fit you into his life, to where you're not in control and he is. It's the new wine poured into your life with a new wineskin, a new framework of living so that you're not in control and now God's free to expand your life and change your life and do whatever he wants with your life because the old is gone and the new has come. Many of us have seen what we call the sinner's prayer. Um, and and I, I, wanna, I want you to listen real carefully here. Some of you may never have seen a prayer like this. And it's, these aren't magic words. They're good words, but they're not magic words. Two things here. Some of you here have never prayed a prayer like this. And, and you may have religion, but you don't have the kingdom. And the king living inside of you, King Jesus. Some of you may have prayed a prayer like this, and this is what you're depending upon. Um, well, I prayed that prayer, but, but you may exactly be like the, the disciples and the Pharisees at the beginning of the story who are missing it. Because saying words in your head that don't change your life don't mean anything. So you may have prayed this prayer and still be lost as a goose. What I want to ask you to do for the first time and for the rest of us in a new way is to surrender your life to the King of the Kingdom, Jesus Christ. And to stop trying to fit Him into your plans, your schedule, your agenda, your thinking. Just give it up. And let Jesus give you a new life and a new spirit, new wine, and new wineskins. So today, everything can be made new for you again. It can be as if your life is starting today. You are born alive today for the first time because you surrender to Jesus. And I want to read this prayer with you and 
And if you've never prayed it and it's re- resulted in change, then, then today let it. And mark it on the card, that connect card, you know. Um, put it in the offering plate. Put it in the basket there. Just, just, just let this be something that you mark with others. You don't keep this secret. Lord Jesus, I need you. Please forgive me. From the bottom of my heart, I say thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I open the door of my life. I'm not going to keep you out. I'm not going to shut you out. I'm not going to say no anymore. I'm going to receive you as my Savior and Lord. Everything you want to give me, I'm open because I'm done doing this my way. Please take control of my life. I don't want it any longer. And make me the kind of person you want to be. Transform my life. Change my life. Use my life. Send my life. When I prayed this prayer and meant it, my life changed. I got on a roller coaster that I have not gotten off of yet. And it has been glorious. And I can't wait to the finish line. Because the finish line, it's just another beginning. The king of the kingdom today is inviting you in. Will you accept him? Let him in. And if in the past you prayed the prayer, but but you didn't give your life, you're just fitting Jesus into your life instead of letting him fit you into his, then change that today too. In these moments, make your heart truly his. Just sit. Just listen. If you enjoyed today's message, feel free to share it with your friends. And as we like to say, love well, live Jesus, and believe big. Thank you.